Welcome to the Fresh Start Church Podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. Here you'll find preached messages from our pastors. We pray that the spirit of revival is imparted to you as you listen. To watch live, check us out on YouTube or visit our website at freshstartaz.com. And to stay connected with us, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I want to preach to you today on a message that I've called the left-handed bride. The left-handed bride. Say it loud. The left-handed bride. The left-handed bride. Before I read the scripture about Ehud today, Ehud, 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 we're going to get Ehud today, all right? If I call it something else, you know who he is, all right? Before I read the scripture in Judges about Ehud today, I'm going to speak to us on the left-handed bride. And Before I get into this, I want us to never forget as the body of Christ that we are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. A bride is respectful of her groom. A bride loves her groom. A bride has communion and fellowship with her groom. Are you talking to me? Come on. Come on. Men of God in the room, sorry, but it's the Lord chose to, to call us a bride. Come on. He chose to call us a bride because he's our groom. Amen. And never forget, we are called a bride. I'll come back to this. and I'm, That's not my primary thought today. But I want you to know that as the bride of Christ, we are called to an intimacy. We are called to a close fellowship. We are called to a close communion. We are called to a high respect and a high honor and a high awe of our groom. Come on, our bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Amen. But the Lord has given me, I believe, a prophetic word today, specifically for this house, but I believe because of what the Lord is desiring to do and has been trying to do for some time in the body of Christ. But because of the warfare that comes against when the body starts stepping into this role, it backs off of this um, mantle and this assignment as the left-handed bride. And what I feel prophetically the Lord has showed me is that because of the warfare and because of the pushback as as taking our position as the left-handed bride, we have assumed the right-hand position, which is the wrong position for the bride. Because the right hand, and and, uh, get to to preach the end at the beginning here, but the right is always stronger and the left is always weaker. Hear what I'm about to say. I'll I'll, I'll bring it around. Y'all know I'll bring it around in an hour and a half or so. Come on. Here's the thing is that because of the pushback because of of the because of the intentional hits look at your neighbor and ask him have you gotten any intentional hits lately come on we we say you know what i'm just going to i still want to be the bride but i'm going to kind of move to another side over here because it's a little easier on this side it's a little it's a little now i know this isn't making sense to some of you don't worry but just let me talk through it here and the Holy Spirit I believe has showed me something through experience come on somebody through experience in hosting and my husband and I together and our staff 
um, stewarding this revival now for seven years. And I believe an announcement to this house um, to not only um, verify and valid uh, validate um, the anointing and the mantle that the Lord has on us, but how he will use us and others to lead the body of Christ back to the left side. Come on, somebody. Back to the left side. Back to the left side because we are in the last of the last days and God needs some deliverers to rise up and to, live, to deliver not only culture, but to deliver the church from a Moabite spirit. You hear me now? From the spirit of Moab. Come on. From the spirit of Moab that has taken over the mindset of our culture and the mindset of, 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 the, of the culture of the church because they both have just meshed. And God says, I'm raising strategic voices who says, you know what? For so long, I've been on the wrong side. It's time to get in position. Come on, somebody. The Lord has been putting this message in me for some weeks now. And I just know, even with recent things that have happened, um, um, and I can't go into all that, that, that he's speaking loudly. And so anyway, I'll quit rambling and I'll start preaching. Here we go. The left-handed bride, Judges chapter 3, verses 15 through 30. But when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them. Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, he was a left-handed man. He was a left-handed man. And the sons of Israel sent tribute by him to Eglon, the king of Moab. And Ehud made himself a sword which had two edges. A cubic in length he bounded on his right thigh under his cloak. And he presented a tribute to Eglon, the king of Moab. And Eglon was a very fat man. It came about when he had finished presenting the tribute that he sent away the people who had carried um, the tribute, but he himself turned back from the idols which were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you. So see that there were idols all around, all right? Are you with me? And he said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And he said, Keep silence. And all who attended him left him. Ehud came to him while he was sitting alone in his cool roof chamber. And Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. Come on, revivalist. Come on, revivalist. Just say that as loud as you can. Come on. I. Come on. And he arose from his seat. And Ehud stretched out his left hand and he took the sword from his right thigh and he thrust it into his belly. The handle also went in after the blade and the fat closed over the blade for he did not draw the sword out of his belly and the refuse came out. Then Ehud went out into the vestibule and shut the doors of the roof chamber behind him and locked them. When he had gone out, his servants came and looked, and behold, the doors of the roof chamber were locked, and they said, he's only relieving himself in the cool room. They waited until they became anxious, but behold, he did not open the doors of the roof chamber. They took the key and opened, and behold, their master had fallen to the floor dead. Ehud escaped while they were delaying and he passed by the idols, yes, 
and escaped to that place. And it came about when he had arrived, come on somebody, he blew the shofar in the hill country of Ephraim. Come on, revivalists. Come on, revivalists. And the sons of Israel went down with him from the hill country and he was in front of them. And he said to them, pursue them, pursue them, the Moabites, for the Lord has given your enemies to the Moabites, into your, the, the Moabites into your hands. So they went down after him. They seized the fords of the Jordan opposite Moab and did not allow anyone to cross. They struck down. They struck down at that time 10,000 Moabites, all robust and valiant men, and no one escaped. So Moab was subdued. They took dominion over Moab that day under the hand of Israel, and the land was undisturbed for 80 years. The land was undisturbed for 80 years. Generations enjoyed peace from the grip of compromise. Come on, somebody. Generations enjoyed peace from the grip of compromise. Can we shout amen for the word of God? Come on. As you're being seated, just tell your neighbor, we're the left-handed bride. Come on. Thank you, guys. My husband left off a couple of weeks ago in his messages on consecration at the Jordan and the death of Joshua. They had contended we know from the word and from the word of God, and they had crossed over the Jordan River into the land of promise only to arrive at this. And I read it in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. They arrived at this, and all that generation were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done in Israel or for Israel. Ehud inherited this generation that we just read about there in Judges chapter 2, verse 10. Did you hear what I said? Ehud inherited a generation who did not know the Lord, nor yet knew the work which he had done for Israel. I'm going to ask us today, what are we doing to make sure a generation knows the Lord and knows his work? Come on. What are we doing to make sure that those who are coming after us know the standards of the word of God, know the power of the word of God, know the liberty, come on, of the, of, of, of the, and the freedom freedom that is found in Jesus Christ. What are we doing? Are we staying silent? Are we staying passive? Are we taking a step back? Are we rising up as Ehud did and said, you know what? Enough is enough. It's time to take out Moab. It's time to take out the compromise. It's time to take out the idols that have crept in to our Christian homes, to our Christian mindsets, to our 
Christian families, to our church services, to our denominations. Come on, somebody. It's time to save a generation that is coming after us. I know you hear us say this a lot, but this is an assignment not only on this house, but on our life and our ministry. I am responsible. We are responsible that when we leave this planet, if Jesus tarries, that those who are in that other building over there and the ones who are coming up after us understand the mantle and the sword that they are supposed to carry as they move forward in the work of the Lord. We need to make sure that the generations understand the work of the Lord and they know their God. And commentators said, in a culture where every man did right in their own eyes, God's call came to unusual men and women. I'll just look at your neighbor and say, it's time to be unusual. Come on. This is not a popular message. Come on, y'all. This is not a popular message, but it's time to be unusual. I don't care to be in the in crowd if the in crowd is in compromise. I'll say it again. I don't care to, where's the vertical camera now? He left too soon. I don't care to be in the in crowd if the in crowd is in compromise. I don't care to be in the in crowd if the in crowd is in compromise. Come on, come on, come on. God's call came to unusual men and women and made them a light and a voice to their people, to their nation, to their country. When there was no longer even an echo of right and wrong in the heart. Does that sound like the United States of America today? Where there is no longer even the echo of right and wrong in the heart. God would then put on the stage a few who dared to write the truth and speak the truth at the risk of their lives and show the power of God to a people who sat in darkness. People like Ehud and Gideon and Deborah and Shamgar and Othniel who stood up for their nation and their people when their nation and their people would not stand up for themselves. Time after time, people would sell themselves out to sin and terrible consequences would come and then they would seek God and then God would send a deliverer. Come on. America, God is sending a deliverer to you for such a time as this. They may not look like you want them to look. They're going to sit in places that you never thought they would sit in before. They're going to hold titles. They're going to hold offices that you never thought they would hold before. But God is raising up a deliverer for this nation and this church in this nation is about ready to shift from the wrong side to the left side and begin to be the bride of Christ that he's anointed us to be. Ehud was a warring deliverer for Israel and he took out the enemy King Eglon of Moab. King Eglon had oppressed Israel for 18 years in a surprise attack. I believe it's Jericho, I believe, but anyway, most warriors, most warriors were right-handed. Ehud was left-handed. The left-handed warriors could bring an element of subtle surprise attack. Because when they were checked for 
when warriors were checked for weapons, uh, they would, the, the, the left side only was checked because it was assumed that they were right-handed and their weapon would be on their left side. But when they checked Ehud, his weapon was on his right side because he was left-handed. Therefore, he was able to get into the inner chamber of the enemy with a weapon, with a sword with a double-edged sword on his right side launching a surprise stealth attack and ultimately taking out the king himself of Moab and 10,000 or so Moabites. Come on somebody. The result was that Ehud blew the shofar trumpet of war. Come on fresh start revivalist. And he led the army of Israel against the Moabites and they plundered them. And the Bible said that there was rest in the land for many generations because one man dared to confront and annihilate an enemy of God's people. Generations were saved. You may not feel like you're mighty. You may not look like you're mighty. You may not think you're mighty. You may have suffered attack after attack after attack after attack. But my friend, you fit the description of the left-handed bride who takes out the spirit of Moab in a culture so generations can live under the blessing of God. One man said, God has raised up individual revivalists and standard bearers to embarrass us uh, into true repentance and real faith. Oh yes, he said, they were flawed, sometimes afraid, and even a little bit angry at God for calling them. Come on, somebody talk to me. He used them anyway. God used them anyway. This man said in the Bible, people often disagreed with God, but they still obeyed him. Listen to this. Today, we heartily agree with God, but actually disobey him. God will now put a remnant on stage called the Ecclesia for the world to see who he really is. Yes, they will be flawed vessels, but that is not the issue. It is the call of the maker, the true treasure heated and needed by the nations that count. Come on. And this is my quote. These voices will not win a popularity contest or a place with a trendy in crowd, but these voices will cut and divide. I said these voices will carry a double-edged sword and they will cut and they will divide between soul and spirit. I'm going to say that one more time just in case some of you who could be a little slow in the train here understand what the word is speaking to us today. These voices will not win a popularity contest or they will not be in the trending in crowd. You you may not get invited to speak on all the popular platforms, but I can 
tell you this. You will take your double-edged sword that God has mantled you with and you will speak and you will cut and you will divide between soul and between spirit. This, my friend, is out of a passionate zeal for a holy God. This, my friend, is the left-handed bride. It is a long-standing tradition that the bride, in reality, typically stands on the left side of the groom. As I pondered this, because I looked that up, and because when the Lord was dropping this word, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's the left side that the bride stands on. Traditionally, it is. And as I begin to ponder the spiritual significance of this story of Ehud, as I begin to ponder the season of the church, I'll say that again, the season of the church. We're at a very crucial point right now. I'm just going to say it, and, and, and we've visited this, and, and we'll come back to it maybe in another message, but um, next month is really important, y'all. It's really important. You, you better not miss March and go into April and just think you're going to get by with everything you got by with before. I'm telling you, it's a marking time. It's a marking time. So this, as I pondered the season of the church, as I pondered uh, the, 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 the typical position of, of, of what the church has become uh, as the bride, the, the position that has really embraced a, a, a lot of apathy, now this is not everywhere, but this is this is this is most everywhere. Are you with me? Uh, apathy and apathy. Apathy is just kind of like yeah, I don't care. You know, yeah, I don't care. You know, I don't care. You know, I give it's okay. okay I don't care. Come on, somebody. Uh, the position of uh, the mindset of drunkenness on worldliness. Yes, uh, I'll say that one again. Drunkenness on worldliness. I'll get back to that. And then a religious arrogance, come on now, that form, you know, that form that has no power, no passion, and no purity, all right? I felt the Holy Spirit speak and say, I need my left-handed bride to assume her correct position once again. I need my left-handed bride to assume her correct position once again. Our right hand is in his hand. Come on, somebody. Our left hand is for war. Help me now. Our right hand is in his hand. Our left hand is for war. Now, the majority of us, if I was to take a poll, which I'm not going to do in this room, are probably right-handed people. And typically, if you study it, and I'll come back to this at the end, the right hand, anything you look for about it is going to represent strength and power and might etc anything about the left hand is going to represent weakness and also a host of other things but this is what the Lord is speaking we have defaulted my God to the right hand because that's where we feel the most confident that's where we feel the strongest and God says I need you to give me that hand so I can work with the weak hand because in your weakness I am made strong so I have my right hand in his hand because this is the strongest hand this is the strongest side this is what I feel most confident with and God says hey, you better give me that hand and I need you to use the 
biggest part of who you are so I can be strong through you. Left-handed bride. The left-handed bride. And the reason why historically the bride stands on the left is because in the early, early days, I don't know how early, but it was early days, the bride, the groom would steal the bride. Yep. Y'all are learning something today, amen. And sometimes the family or the friends would come to fight the groom to get her back. And he wanted his right side open and available to fight off those who would attempt this. Can I tell you today that Jesus fights for us? We fight for Jesus and Jesus fights. You need to be happy about that. Contend with that which contends against us. Fight against that which fights against, which fight against us, oh Lord. He fights for us, Jesus the bridegroom. The church is the bride and we fight for him. The intention and for his kingdom and for the things of his kingdom and for the standards of his kingdom. And the, this was the intention of the church from the very beginning and it has never changed. But for too long, we have been on the wrong side. A right-handed church has been preoccupied with good things, but not everything that matters to the groom. That that's good enough to repeat again. A right-handed church has been preoccupied with good things, but not everything that matters to the groom. As a matter of fact, we've been so preoccupied with all of these, quote, good things that we've been useless. Come on. We've been useless against the kingdom of darkness. We've been useless against the establishing things. We're so busy doing things that we've not established anything. And God says it's because you've been on the wrong side it's not everything that matters to him and the Lord says it's time to take your position as the left-handed bride because there's a war against Moab that needs to be fought so peace can come to the generations that are following Moab was a nation are you ready for this of great mixture Not the first time you've heard this message in this pulpit. It won't be the last time. Moab and the Moabites was a nation of great mixture. A little good and a little evil. And they tolerated both together. This is where I see the rebirth of the ecclesia, the left-handed bride, arising for such a time as this. Because Moab has had its way for too long in the body of Christ. A mixture of a little bit of this and a little bit of that has had its way for too long in some of your lives today. You've been tolerating both. And the Lord says, I am raising up voices who are not popular. And they've taken a few hits. They've taken a few hits on this left side. And the reason why is because their voices are heralding the very thing that the, that the enemy does not want the church not only in this nation but the nations of the earth to hear is that you better get out of Moab and better get Moab out of you so that I can accomplish in this earth what I need to accomplish for such a time as this 
I see the rebirth of the ecclesia, the governing legislating body on behalf of the interest of the king and his kingdom. I see the bride who loves and legislates for her groom. This is the rebirth of the ecclesia. Stay with me. It's the rebirth. I'll get back to that in a moment, but think about it. Moab in the Bible came from the nephew of Lot, uh, uh, excuse me, the nephew of Abraham, Lot. There was enough religion in the Moabites to know how to play the part, yet enough evil in them because of idols to indulge, indulge flesh and lust. This nation was formed, Moab was formed from an incestuous relationship with the daughters of Lot. Are you still with me or have you checked out? right now. I'm talking about a spirit of Moab that has crept in and it's even in some of your lives today and God is saying it is time to get it out and assume your position at the left hand. You see because here's the key the origin and the core of something will always produce the same fruit. Moab, the nation, was formed from an incestuous relationship of Lot's daughters. And you know the Bible story. You should know the Bible story. But this spirit of Moab, this spirit of mixture, you hear me now. It exists to confuse and to delude and to derail, derail a, 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 a revival, to confuse the minds of people. But revival is is a return to everything that we have been singing about this morning a passionate sold out consecrated love for Jesus Christ our bridegroom but the spirit of Moab says just have a little bit of this in your life and you can still act like it's okay and God sent me to do you today to tell you that you're not any good to his kingdom if you have Moab on the inside of you it is incredible to me to watch how passive preachers are about confronting this ancient spirit of Moab in our modern day Christianity we preach to please rather than to expose not every message has to be a message of exposure or confrontation unless that's your assignment. But it's quite obvious that we've become lopsided in our viewpoints of the spirit of the age and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. I'm telling you, the warriors against mixture have gone AWOL. They're absent from where they should be. Where are they? They're on the right side and not the left side. Why? Because they're a part of Moab come on mixture brings confusion do you hear me mixture is a combination of different things motions components each one of them have a distinct thing about them it's a little of God a little of the world help me y'all little of God a little of the world that's not the Bible that I read. And I'm not just in the Old Testament this morning. I'm in the, I'm in the whole Bible. 
As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Matthew 12, 33, and this is not going to be on the screen, but either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree rotten and its fruit rotten for a tree is known by its fruit. Leviticus 19, 19, you shall keep my statutes. You shall not let your livestock breed with another kind. You shall not sow your seed with mixed seed, nor shall a garment be mixed linen and wool come upon you. You say, that's just so weird, Pastor Kim. You know what? It sounds weird to us, but I just read New Testament first, so I would have your attention. But the Old Testament is totally a type and a shadow of how God wants us to live. He wants us to live pure. He wants us to live holy. He wants us to live set apart. There was a war, a constant war against the children of Israel and the nation of Israel to pull them away from their consecration, their devotion, their single-hearted devotion to God. There was a constant pull. Look at me. A constant pull. My God, do they have to keep preaching these messages on consecration, on being sold out, on holiness, on this. There was a constant pull to bring people away from their allegiance to Jesus Christ, from their alliance with his word. Hear what I'm saying. This is why we have to revisit because you're only here a few hours a week. You're only here a few hours a week. So when you're here, we have to tell when you get out in that world, you cannot blend in. You cannot mix in. And this is why preachers don't preach this way because it doesn't grow a church like they want it to grow. You go ahead, sir. You go ahead, ma'am. You'll give an answer for it one day. There's a constant pull. Deuteronomy 22, 9. You shall not sow your vineyard with different kinds of seed, lest they yield, the yield of the seed and of the fruit, watch this, be defiled. Lest the yield of the seed and the fruit be defiled. Just because there's fruit doesn't mean that it came from the Lord. I need another New Testament. Okay. Revelation 3, 15. You are neither cold nor hot. You have mixed the two, and that makes you. And God says, I will out of my mouth. There you go. Mixture in our life, Moab in the church, Moab in a nation, muddies the water, making it difficult to discern truth and to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
understand this. When you live in mixture, a little of God and a little of the world, you are living with two voices in your head. You are living with the spirit and you are living with the world or demonic control in your life. And the natural default, if you are in that state, is that you're going to listen to and you're going to respond to the unholy and the unsanctified. Why? Because the flesh always wins when there's compromise in your life. The unclean always naturally defiles that which is clean. Clean cannot make dirty clean, but dirty always makes clean dirty. I can handle it, Pastor Kim. I can handle it. No, you can't. No, you can't. Oh, yeah, nothing wrong. You can't handle it. Now, you can justify it. You can justify it. You can religiously talk your way around it. You can, you can, you can uh, negotiate, you know, and, the, and, and you say, you know, uh, you say, uh, I just feel a peace. Now, if I can let y'all up into the world of a minister and a pastor for a minute. I just feel a peace about this. Let me tell you the peace that you're feeling right now. That is not the peace of God. That is the peace of your natural fleshly person that says, wow, I finally found a way out. I finally found somebody that would validate my sin, that would validate my compromise, that would validate me being wishy-washy. So I'm going to go to that church. I'm going to go listen to that person. I'm going to go to this place. You hear what I'm saying, Moab? I came after you, Moab. It's time for the left-handed bride to arise once again. I can handle it. No. God loves me. Oh, yeah, he does. And I say that with all sincerity. God will never stop loving you. But that does not mean you will make heaven, my friend. God has made the choice to get you into heaven. He sent his only begotten son who paid the price of his life so that, and shed his blood so that you can make it to heaven. But the choice is yours. You have to choose this day. Who are you going to serve? You see, I don't really serve this stuff. Seriously? It's my country accent. Seriously? Yeah, we do. We do serve it, and it is idols. It are, they are, there are things. I mean, I'm telling you, there's, there's ministers and pastors that make the pulpit their idol. They're at, come on. Their ministry, they're this, they're that, an idol. In these days that we are living in, God is demanding, demanding, demanding 
that we not live in muddy water. Because when you live in the muddy waters of Moab, come on somebody. Did you hear me? The muddy waters of Moab. You're never truly navigating the things of the spirit. Now, hallelujah. You're welcome. Thank you, my brother. There are some pastors and leaders that that doesn't matter if their people navigate the things of the spirit. They just want to fill a building couple times or three or four times and I've said this and will continue to say this as we train and mentor those who desire at least they say they do to have a revival culture birth build and sustain that in their churches is that we're not growing a church here we're growing revivalists with a church for them to grow in and the difference is is that is that if you're just growing a church you're not concerned if your people are operating in the spirit or not. You're just glad that they happen to show up that day and give their tithes or some money. But if you truly care about the heart of the Lord, you will care that your people understand how to navigate the things of the spirit. But if you're living in the muddy waters of Moab, if you're not, don't, do not confront Moab, then you forgo a greater anointing and the power of God at the expense of another kind of seed and a garment that you're wearing that is mixed. Come on, somebody. And your fruit being defiled. Jeremiah 15, 19, separate the precious from the vile. As loud as you can, scream separate. Come on. I quote, God warned Israel that any mixture with the world would cause him, my God, get this, to withdraw his presence. See, that's how we can keep having church, call it all of these things, but God says, Ichabod, not there anymore. Because mixture is there. And he would reject them. Now get this. God warned Israel that any mixture with the world would cause him to withdraw his presence and that he would reject them. This, this gripped me when I read this. As the special channel of revelation. As the special channel. That must not have gripped you like it did me. I mean, because I want revelation. I want to hear God. I want to know God. I want to know the things of the spirit. I don't want to know the things of the world. I don't want to, I don't want to know the, the latest this and the latest that. And the, I honestly cannot tell you any secular songs, right? Maybe from the 70s or 80s, maybe from then. And hopefully I've forgotten a lot of them from back then. I cannot tell you this. I cannot tell you movies. I'm not flaunting that as a religious blah, blah, blah. What I'm saying is it doesn't interest me in the single, single least. It doesn't interest me. It doesn't interest me because I have a greater desire to be a channel of revelation, a channel of revelation. All of 
of that stuff that you are putting before your eyes, all of that stuff that you're putting in your ears, all of those places that you are going and looking on Facebook and the blah, blah, blah. Listen to me. Some of it may not be sin. Some of it is. But every time that you ingest that, it is literally clogging the artery, the channel, so that revelation will stop flowing and we have preachers and worship leaders and prophets and evangelists who have clogged channels because of mixture. It's time for the left-handed bride to take out Moab. Israel was commanded to deal unmercifully with the ungodly, heathen spirit of their time. Did you hear me? Unmercifully with the godly, heathen spirit. It cannot be tolerated. Where are the Ehuds? Where are, is the left-handed bride? The apostle Paul told the Corinthians, he said, you need to kick the man out who is a sinner. Now that doesn't go over well with some. Lest his influence corrupt them all. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Seriously, we tolerate it? Come on. Seriously, we tolerate it? Come on. Seriously, we tolerate it? You see, Israel loved mix. Come on, y'all. And here's why. They despised the reproach of being separated and different. I'm going to let that sink in. They despised the reproach. They didn't want to look different. They didn't want to be separated. They wanted a king. God didn't want them to have a king. They wanted sexual freedoms, but they still wanted to cry out at the altar of God. So time after time after time after time, they would reject God for their lust. Come on, somebody. Time after time after time after time, they would reject God for their lust. Can I tell us today, don't play religious games. Come on. Don't play. The, what is the religious game? The mouth talks right, but the heart walks to a worldly beat. Come on. The mouth talks right, but the heart walks to a worldly beat. I'm going to say that again. The mouth talks right, but the heart walks. I'm going to tell you who can see right through that. That's someone who has an Ehud, Ehud spirit on them. Someone who is on the left hand of the bride. Come a left hand of the groom. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can see right through that. A mouth that talks right, but a heart that walks walks to a worldly beat. I'm telling you, God will not let that go unnoticed. Whatever is mixed of the world cannot be of God. You'll never be a, rebel, a, channel, a channel of revelation and his presence, so we need to stop acting like it. Come on, somebody. I said we need to stop acting like it. I said we need to stop acting like it. We've got to get Moab out. So many excuses and so many justifications. If it draws you away, if it seduces you away from God, then it's mixture, my friend. If it draws you away, if it seduces you away from God, it is mixture. First John 2.15, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What page am I on? Oh, Lord, y'all are in trouble. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor saying mixture causes confusion. 
Now to keep that, I had you say it out loud to your neighbor on purpose because I'm going to get back to that at the end when we go back to Ehud. It muddies the water. It produces fruit without purity, my God. I said it produces fruit without purity. It causes alliance and allegiance to other things, other passions. Passions. You're living in Moab. This is the case. And Moab is living in you. But Ehud voices are unintimidated at the backlash. Come on. Ehud voices are unintimidated at the debate. Because I'm telling you, my friend, that spirit will want to debate. You trust us on this. That spirit, we've been preaching this message for a long time around here, just different ways. But I'm telling you, that spirit wants to debate because that person does not want to let go of that mixture because it's, it's appeased them for so long. But an Ehud voice and the left-handed bride will raise their voices. And I'm telling you what's going to come. Clarity is going to come. And when that spirit of the world that rises up that you've been tolerating, it doesn't want clarity. It doesn't want to hear clarity. It doesn't want to hear right. It doesn't want to hear by. It doesn't want to hear righteousness. It doesn't want to hear holiness. It doesn't want, and then I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it'll automatically lash out with legalism and this, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But I'm telling you, an Ehud is not intimidated by the backlash because let me tell you why. Because our right hand is in his hand, and in our left hand is a double-edged sword. And we understand that we are getting orders from headquarters. And because my right hand is in his hand, I have a connection of intimacy. I have a channel that flows oh, with the revelatory power of the Spirit of God. And God says, I've got you here. I've got you. You go ahead, Ehud, and give it to that spirit of Moab. This is why a voice can stand up and can confront the very thing that has been tolerated for generation after generation after generation after generation even though God led them out of bondage and led them out of oppression and all of a sudden there's a generation that didn't know the work and the way of God but God says I will have me a deliverer in every generation shout in this place today You just go ahead and debate all you want. <coughs> I'll block you. <coughs> and then they get all like, oh, why did you block me? It's real stuff, folks. It's real stuff. You hear me now? It's real stuff. You see, because this is a strong message and people are so used to just, they're used to Disneyland church. You say, oh, that again, Pastor Kim? Oh, yeah. You come to the big attraction. Come to the big attraction. Come to the fleshly entertainment show. God says it's time for the bride to assume her position. Not afraid of the debate. Not afraid. Hallelujah. Because we are ferocious lovers of his presence. Ferocious lovers of his presence. 
protectors of the presence, defenders of purity and holiness and righteousness. This remnant will not flinch in the face of antagonism. Now, y'all know religion likes to debate, right? And so there's a lot of Moab in religion. Come on. Likes to debate. But Ehud and the left-handed bride will declare. I'll keep declaring. You keep debating. And I'm going to declare the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. This remnant will be unexpected like Ehud against this spirit of Moab that has infiltrated the church and dominates the culture. It is the rebirth of the ecclesia. And I say rebirth, once again, the minister that stood in our pulpit some months ago uh, and, and pronounced that. Um, I honor him for, for saying that. Obviously, it's not just only for, to him, but I say rebirth because this is why we've slowly defined the purpose and the operation of the church over the decades. We've made it more about a gathering than a governing. Now, hear me now. Are you with me? Gathering is an extremely vital part of the effectiveness of the church. Y'all know we preach that hard and heavy around here. We're, we're, we're thankful for online. We, 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 we're awesome. Y'all join us online today. But if you can be here in the house, you need to be here. Just quit it with the excuses now. Come on. Just quit it. Just quit it. It's time to be back in the house of God. It's time to be back in the house of God. He's got a job for us to do. And it's not going to happen if we're all in our couches and our lazy boy at home, sipping our Diet Coke and our cherry soda or whatever you drink. Come on, somebody. But this is not what Jesus had in mind. He said, I will build my ecclesia. I will build my governing legislative body. We've embraced the nurturing side, but we have neglected the combat side. Come on, somebody. The combat side is what truly changes cultures, not downplaying the nurturing at all. But the combat side is what changes cultures. Hear me now. The devil will let us nurture all day long. Come on. But get up in his face with a double-edged sword. Get up in Moab. Come on with a double-edged sword. Start dividing between soul and spirit. He doesn't want that. That's what truly changes generations. That's what truly changes hearts and atmospheres. Because what you do not war against, you will live with. Come on. So demons create these atmospheres and to cause humanity to form allegiances and alliances. And when these are formed, the heart is captured and it's put into captivity to snares and strongholds of darkness. While we expect this in the world, it should not be so in the church. It's time to take out Moab. Come on. Let me back up just a minute because I need to say something else. I told you that the, the relatives of Moab uh, were ancient uh, descendants of the Jews through the daughters of Lot, Abraham's nephew. Moab and Ammon was birthed through incestuous conception with his daughters. Can you stay with me? The nations that came from these, now listen, the nations that came from these two sons were so antagonistic against their cousin, if you will, Israel. Are you with me? Hear me, revivalists. Nudge your neighbor with the elbow. Say, listen close, listen close. 
Israel, not disrespecting the, the country, the nation of Israel, but it can be a type of, we're grafted in, come on somebody, of the church. But these two nations, Moab and Ammon, were so antagonistic against Israel that when Moses brought them out of Egypt, God himself cursed them because they didn't treat Israel with hospitality as they came out of Egypt. Are you with me? And yet we live with this in our life. Come on, somebody. I ain't done yet. Watch this. When Balak was king of Moab, he hired, are you hearing me? He hired Balaam to do what? Curse Israel curse Israel. Now, the curse didn't work, but their intention was to release a curse, the same as hiring a witch doctor to bring demonic curses on the nation of Israel. Come on, somebody. I need to come on, somebody. I need you to understand how antagonistic this spirit is against the bride of Christ, against the church. Yet this is why we can settle and we can tolerate it. Help me make sense, Holy Spirit. We can tolerate it is because the moment that we rise up against it to jab at that thing, it starts jabbing back at us, back at us. Us. You hear what I'm saying? Back at us. And what happens is, is wow, this hurts. Wow, this is uncomfortable. Wow, I don't like this curse. I don't like this jab. I don't like this unfriendly attitude that is coming from this Moab. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to share the love of God. Come on now, you hang with me. I'm not demeaning that message, but I'm just going to back off a little bit. I'm just going to back off. I'm going to creep off a little bit of this so I can make that thing calm down because I can't live wounded like this. I can't. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? I can't live wounded like this. I can't live beat up like this. I need to talk to some revivalists in the room today. You hear what I am saying? As we assume the correct position as the left-handed bride, you're going to take some jabs. You're going to take some punches. You're going to take and hear some words that may not sound pleasing and may sound demeaning to you, but God says, I've got your hand in my hand. Come on, praise him right now because God is talking to you. God is helping somebody right now. The spirit wants to bring curses. As long as my hand is in his hand. Come on. I'm going to tell you. You open yourself up to that spirit of Moab. And you're letting all that stuff into your life. You know Moab and the Moabites, they worship demon gods. They worship demon gods. Now remember where they came from. Remember? Lot's sons, incestuous relationship, 
So they knew enough about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hear me now. And now they're worshiping. They know that, but they're worshiping demon gods. Molech was one of them. Molech required child sacrifice. What a mixture. Come on. What a mixture. What a mixture. Can I say about your post? Um, so Jessica, our worship leader here, did a, did a, uh, a um, I hope they're all watching right now. A post about, and she'll do this occasionally. I mean, when you're not seeing Zion, Kingston, and River on there, come on, somebody. But those are the best posts, all right? Then she'll post something about worship, and, you know, God has given her a voice and uh, um, anointing. And uh, this, our church and our nation needs a leader, and she won't be the only one, but a leader to lead praise and worship leaders into a place of holiness and purity. Because I'm telling you, it is rare. It is rare. Rare in the body of Christ. So she did this post about different things that a worship leader, it matters who does this, it matters standing on the platform, this matters, that matters. And am I on the right post? And uh, it matters if you listen to secular music, if you're a praise and worship leader. matters if you listen to secular music. If you're a praise and worship leader, it matters if you listen to secular music. And, you know, a large percentage of the people were like, yes, fire, 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 fire. Fire, 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 hands. Halo, halo, bow down. We all know our emojis in the room, right? Huh, floor? The sword, 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 sword. <laughs> but sadly, sadly, there were comments like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? And, and even more sadly, the antagonism and the, and the pushback. Uh, well, if we have to stop doing that, do we have to stop doing this? Come on. Come on, church. Come on, church. Is it really about that for you? Is it really about that for you? First of all, you should not be a praise. You would never be a praise and worship leader up in here. Never. Is it really, really come down to, well, if I have to stop doing that, do I have to stop doing this? I mean, seriously, is that the questions that we have to ask? If we have to ask those questions, then we understand Moab has gripped our mouths. We have let go of the hand of the groom, the bridegroom, and we are operating from our side of, of, of power, our side of preference. And God says, it is time for you to understand that your time is limited. Now, I'm saying this, whether it's worship leaders, preachers, believers, whatever it is, your time is limited. I'm not talking about life. I'm talking about what you have been doing in the name of Christianity. 
Christianity, what you have been doing in the name of the gospel, what you, it's your time is limited because God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. He will not allow, he never has allowed and he will not allow now for Moab and his people to continue side by side. It's time for Ehud to arise and take your position. Come on. Here's the thing. Is this King Eglon, the Bible chose to tell us that he was a very large man. The Bible says fat, right? Well, my words, the Bible says. And I was reading that, and I'm like, you know, everything's in the Bible for a reason. And of course, in the context of how I'm speaking today, you know this, that mixture always grows. In other words, mixture never gets enough. So it has to keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on. Once you cross the line, then it leads to another line. And then mixture will always make sure that there's another line because you're constantly lowering the bar. It gives a false sense of security, of peace. In other words, mixture says, if you do this, you'll find peace. But it always leads you away from the principles of the word of God that confront your flesh and keeps you from purity while pleasing your soulish nature. And that's why people flock to that message is because it lets you live like you want but still look like something that you're not. Hallelujah. I have such a righteous anger on the inside of me. I love people. And that to some of your surprise, you may not think that, but I love people. <laughs> I tell people occasionally, if it matters, it doesn't, uh, you know, when I'm one-on-one -on -one with you, you know, if I'm counseling you, right, staff, they know. You know, I'm like, get the Bible says. Maybe a handful of times over 38 years that I've done that. But I'll meet you where you are. But it kind of comes down to this. Is, look, I told you this. The word told you this. And I love people and I love, I love the things of the kingdom and the things of God. I love Jesus. And I hate, I hate the compromise that comes into people's lives that makes you think you're okay when you're not okay. You're not okay. You got to leave Moab today because God needs you in the Ehud company because this company has cut ties with the temporal. They've left Moab to take their position at the left side of the groom. And Ehud's name means, get this, I told you I would bring it back around. Ehud's name, remember, mixture is muddy waters. Mixture is confusion. Remember I had you say that, I think, to your neighbor? It's confusion. Ehud's name, get this, means unity. <laughs> unity. Mixture brings confusion. 
But unity is the state of being united or joined as a whole. In other words, single, not mixed, single. Ehud had his eyes on one focus. I've got to take care of God's business. He had one loyalty. He had one goal and one purpose, and that was to glorify the Lord and to save generations, to glorify the Lord and to save generations, to glorify the Lord and to save generations. If we're going to glorify the Lord and to save generations, we must not be a double-minded man who is a unstable in all of his ways. Mixture makes you spiritually unstable and revival cannot tolerate that. We must be as David cried out, the psalmist cried out, one thing I have asked from the Lord, that shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. My goodness, if we have any other focus, if we have any other uh, 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 longing besides that, then we have to check our heart. Come on, somebody. The children of Israel had served confusion for 18 years until unity stepped in with the left hand and, come on, and took out, took out the spirit of Moab and he blew the trumpet of unity. Hear me, fresh start revivalists. This is what I came to say. There has to be a voice in the church, in this nation, who will blow the trumpet of unity, blow the trumpet of clarity, blow the trumpet of single heart, single mind, not confusion, not mixture. If the generations in this nation and the generations in the church are going to know the Lord and know the work of the Lord. There has to be a voice that sounds the alarm and cries loud and spares not. This is the way of the Lord. Shout in this room right now. And when that happens, Judges 3.30 said, I'm almost done that Moab was dominated, it was subdued. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> Under the hand of Israel. This is awesome. This is awesome. Because there's all these crazy people serving all these idols. And God says, I need a deliverer. So Ehud is chosen. He answers the call. He goes against the grain. He assumes his right posi correct position and God uses a deliverer to not only take out the spirit of mixture and Moab, but somehow apparently rally the army of God, the people of God, to then go after, come on, to go after the very thing that they had been in the middle of I see that happening in the body of Christ. But hear what I'm about to say. You're going to have to get rid of the mentality that you want to be popular, that you want to be... Y'all just don't even know how much that I know what I'm talking about. Come on. 
You got to get rid of the mentality that this is just acceptable. And you got to say, God, your word is your word. And I'm going to be a part of the rebirth of the ecclesia for the last days. And I will not tolerate anything that's going to come in between you and I. And God says, I can use a people. I can use a people. I can use a people. Yes, I'll raise up one voice, but I can use a people because they're going to be the deliverer that takes, a, come up here, that takes the right hand. That's other. Uh, yeah, the right hand and say, look, this is how you do it. Oh, this is how you do it. And we're going to take the hand. Come on, fresh start. Oh, of hungry people who want intimacy with their Lord, but they've been confused because nobody told them they needed to get out of Moab and get Moab out of them. But God is raising up an Ahud company that says, put your hand, your strong hand in his hand and get the sword in this hand and go take out Moab. So I got to answer this question. Have I gone an hour and a half yet? Yes, somebody said. Somebody said, yes. Yes, you have. <laughs> Amen. Legalism is always what they come back at. Legalism. Not anything that I have said this morning is man-made rules. Everything that I have said is God-made. And I've given scripture to prove it. Legalism is man's attempt to be holy. There are things and commands in the word that we have to abide by, things we do and things we don't do. You hear me now? That is not legalism. That is protection. If you have moved your boundaries this morning, can I try it again Wednesday night? Come on. If you have moved your boundaries or not moved your boundaries, from the first or second or third year of revival. And you're like, I'm good at this boundary. I'm just good right here. And God says, no, it's time to move them a little closer in. A little closer in. And you say, that's just restricting. No, my friend, it's not restricting. It's constricting the work of your flesh and your fleshly mindsets so that it doesn't overrun, come on, your spiritual pursuit. Are you hearing me? We've got so many things that are overrunning our spiritual pursuit and we're okay with it. And God says, it's time. This is not legalism. This is how you pursue the things of the Lord. 
What God is looking at today is, is your heart divided? God is looking to see if you're confused. Are you mixed? Do you have an allegiance to another lover today? Because you can do external things and have internal confusion. But to God, today God says, put away the other lover. Put away the other lover. It's not about restriction and rules. It's about a raw cry and a love and a passion to live as one thing. It's time for Ehud to arise. Now let me say this because I need to help some revivalists in the room, myself included, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The attack is on the left. The attack is on the left. Do you hear me? When you're standing in position as the left-handed bride, you're going to get hit. You're going to hit, and you're going to get hit. I'm always greatly concerned when I try to venture into sports analogies here. <laughs> the good thing is the sports doesn't matter for eternity, all right? It actually doesn't matter for now. And that's an idol that some of y'all need to get rid of in your life. Correct me if I'm wrong. He said always. <laughs> that the quarterback has a blind side. Am I right? And there is a special person called left tackle, right? Right? See, y'all afraid to say you know it. <laughs> that I have read is supposed is the most athletic, the most skilled one on the field, possibly. On the line. Okay, on the line. <laughs> now that's hilarious. He's got me. And their job is to watch the blind side of that quarterback. Come on, somebody. And so that tackle person <laughs> is going to make hits and is going to get hit. That tackle person is going to make hits and take hits. Make hits and take hits. Come on, left-handed bride. It's going to make it and take hits. Make it and take hits. Someone may look and say to you or to me and say, how can you stay standing? How can you stay praising? How can you stay prophesying? How can you stay with so much joy when you've been hit so hard? How I can say I can stand because I got somebody holding my rod. 
rage hand. Somebody shout all over this room. God has got you. God has got you. Stand up all over this building. Lift up your praise right now. Put your hands together because today is the day that we assume our position as the left-handed bride. Jesus says, I'm mantling Ehud voices for such a time as this. Come on. Lift your hands and pray in the spirit. Come on, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. God's got us. God's got us. Our right hand, the strongest part of who we are. Everything that we think we are. God says, give that to me. God says, give that to me. I'm going to give it just a minute for those who think they need to leave. I'm going to let them leave. The rest of us are going to have an altar call right now. Pray, 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 pray. Pray, 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 pray. I hope y'all don't have Moab today. All right, revivalists. We got to put our, our strongest part of who we are in his hands this morning. And God says, you, you, get, you make that hit with the weakest part of who you are. And if we were doing it in ourselves, nothing would happen. But because the Bible says in our weakness, he is strong. Second Corinthians 12. My grace is sufficient for you for your power is perfected in weakness. I would boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, persecution, difficulties. Did y'all get that? For Christ's sake. For, say it with me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Lift your hands and say, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Utter dependence on Him. Utter dependence on Him. Every uncertainty that we have empowers His supremacy. Oh, every uncertainty that we have empowers who He is through us. You've got to understand, don't look at this as a weakness. Don't look at this as something as, as, as I'm not good enough or this or that. Understand this, that when you assume that position, you, my friend, are operating in the side that Jesus has always intended for his bride to operate. And there, are, maybe not in this earth, maybe, maybe not. But one day, when we get to the other side, we will stand. Oh, we will stand in a line of warriors that oh, they made it their life mission to stand. Oh, as a left-handed bride, no matter what hit 
hit, they had to make, and no matter what hit, they had to take. I need some people that say, I am ready. I am ready to take my position, to run to the front of this building this morning as we give God everything in our life today. Begin to cry out as you come down to this altar this morning. God is going to shift some things on this Sunday morning. I'm leaving and it is leaving me. Come on. Today's your day. Go ahead. You know what to do. This is the altar. This is the consecration time. This is a time. This is a time to make the decision. I'm leaving Moab and Moab is leaving me. Oh, that mixture, that confusion must go in the name of Jesus. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. That confusion must go. I leave every idol, anything that stands in the way, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus Come on, just 30 more seconds. Make that altar. Make that altar. Make that altar. Make that cry. Make that, make that commitment. Oh, I'm leaving Moab. Moab is leaving me today in the name of Jesus. Today I make a conscious choice. I set this aside. I do away with this. I do away with that. Come on, come on. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, I'm going to let you pray there for just a moment. I'm going to let you pray there for just a moment. 
and we're going to move to another another part of the altar let me see if I can say this the way I feel the Spirit wants to say it. Is that some in the room may have things in your life that has become idle, that is that may not be evil or sin, but it is, is the allegiance that God is looking at. The allegiance. You know, we do our pledge of allegiance we, we uh, pledge allegiance to the right. God is very specific in His Word that He doesn't want our allegiance to go to anything else but Him. So some of you have things in your life and you don't think they're idols, but they're idols because it has your allegiance. And an allegiance can then form an alliance which is deeper-ish. Uh, Are you with me? So you need to deal with that today. You need to deal with it because these are things that, that we justify because you say, well, it's not really says the la 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 in the Bible. It doesn't really say la 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 in the Bible. Okay, here's my, here's my thing to you, <laughs> right? If there is any question whatsoever, and this is in the Bible, then you are to abstain from it, my friend. The very appearance of anything. New Testament, you are to flee from it. You, as a matter of fact, Apostle Paul said that you are to go far, far away from it. Far, far away from it. And so you've been negotiating with things. We take strong stands here. Because revival will take a strong stand. If it does not, it is not revival. Hear me. But you're like, well, you know, drinking is one of those. But some of you all were standing there saying, man, I was really hoping she wouldn't go there. And then there was another part of y'all who said, I really hope she goes there. I will say to you, those here and abroad, that love to argue about drinking alcohol. It's okay for a Christian to drink alcohol. Why do you want to sip on something that has gripped someone else's life and pulled them into a hellish lifestyle? Why would you want to sip on something that has gripped someone else's life and has ruined their family, has divided their family, has put them in the hospital. Come on, all of those who've been delivered from alcohol in this place, you better help me right now. I'm telling you, if I, you think I'm being hard on you right now, if I were to give one of them the microphone, they would be merciless to, uh, to you right now because they were the one in the gutter. They were the one that were beating up their wife. They were the ones who were drinking in front of their children. Are you hearing me now? What is tolerance for you, my friend, will be an addiction for your children. And that goes for anything. That goes for anything. 
I just, I just have to say, you say, well, what, you know, other cultures do it. Well, we're not other cultures. And you're looking at the spirit of the thing. You're looking at the spirit of the thing. What is the spirit of the thing speaking to your mind? What is the spirit of that music speaking to your mind? Well, it's just, you know, the 80s, the 80s, the 90s, the 50s. What is the spirit of that thing speaking into your spirit? Because here's the thing, is if you don't want to be a channel, a revelatory channel, then you're going to justify that, my friend. But I will say this, you better pray about your salvation. You're that bold, I am that bold. That movie, that television show. What is it speaking? Is it speaking confusion? Because if it's confusion, it's Moab, my friend. And if I keep feeding myself that, then I'm walking around two voices. One here, one here, one here, one here, one here, one here. It's not okay. It is okay. It's not okay. It is okay. And then there's others in the room, and you know you have things in your life, idols, whatever, that are sin the Bible blatantly, directly, straight on, speaks against them. I'm telling you, my friend, you're not in relationship with Jesus Christ. You must get that out of your life. Yes, it is Moab, but it is sin, and you must get it out of your life. The Bible is very clear on two points that God gave His only begotten Son. It said, whosoever believed in Him should not perish but have eternal Bible is very clear on that. Bible is also very clear that if we sin and we do not confess that sin and live righteous before God, God did not create hell for humankind. He created it for the devil and his angels. But unfortunately, that's where those who do not confess Christ in this life have to go because sin always keeps you separated from a holy God. So you must deal with that today. And let me say the third thing. All of you in this room, with the exception of the, I don't know, what are we like, 13 staff members now? Something like that. 13 overworked staff members, hallelujah. You go out of this room and you go into that world. And many of you in strategic places in this world, if I were to start calling out different different things people which I'm not going to do politicians athletes CEOs business owners etc 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 financial this that and the other and you go into those places look at me you go into Moab every day but you don't have Moab in you
We have people that work in the in the in the government here. We have people, uh, and 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 even if if you're a laborer, whatever you are, you go into Moab. Let me tell you something. Look at me. You got to know whatever I just called out, whatever your title is or whatever your function is, that God has your right hand and that you listen. This is the end of my sermon. In your left hand is a double-edged sword. It is a double-edged sword. (laughs) We know that a double-edged sword is the word of God. It is the sword of the spirit. It is, it is not insignificant that Ehud had, a, he made a sword, a double-edged sword. And I said it in the beginning of this message, but that sword, my friend, wherever you go into Moab out there, it's not in you, it's out there. But wherever you go, you have a sword of the Spirit that divides between soul and spirit. So everywhere you go, you are carrying the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are carrying the light of the word of God. You are exposing soul. You are exposing spirit. You're not only exposing soul. Soul is everything of humanity. Soul is everything of flesh. But you're also exposing spirit. You hear me now. You expose soul, but you also expose spirit. And this is why they can't like you like they like the other ones. This is why, come on, they can't celebrate you. Oh, you hear me now. They can't doubt your talent. They can't doubt your your intelligence. They can't doubt your mantle. They can't doubt you business owners that somehow you have been favored and even though you're a smaller company, you're making millions of more dollars than they are. They can't deny that. They just don't like you. And the reason why is because you're exposing spirit. You're exposing spirit. Spirit, you're exposing spirit and it's putting a light on their soulish ways. You hear me now? Oh my God, my God. You're in Moab for a reason, my friend. It's because Moab is not in you. Lift your hands and begin to pray all over this building. My God, my God, my God. That's a word, that's a word, that's a word, that's a word. Come on, I want you to cry out for just a minute right now. Come on. Oh, my, 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 my. You're in Moab because Moab is not in you. You're exposing soul and spirit. Soul and spirit. Oh, the light is shining bright. Oh, because Ehud has arisen. The Word of God is living and active. It is sharper than two-edged sword. The Word of God is living and active. The Word of God is living and active. Oh, you take that sword. You take that sword, Ehud, and you wield that sword. You wield that sword. Ha-da-da-da-ma-ka-ta-da-ma-ha-sa-ta. ta da ma ka ta 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 ta
Don't be afraid of the pushback. Don't be afraid of being ostracized. Don't be afraid, Ehud, that you're not in the in crowd. Don't be afraid that you're not preferred. God has your right hand. Oh, and he says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. Ehud, it's time. It's time. Come on, 30 more seconds. 30 more seconds. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Come on, all the school teachers in the room. All the school teachers in the room. My, 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 my. Lift your voices, school teachers. You're in the middle of Moab. You're in the middle of Moab, but Moab is not in you. Come on, school teachers, we need you. I say to all the teachers in the room, you are a hood. You are a hood. God has your right hand. Take that sword. Wield that sword in those classrooms. Divide between soul and spirit. Divide between soul and spirit. I just feel like we need to pray another few seconds here. God is doing something in your heart. God's doing something in your heart today. Those of you in government work, those of you in, in political work, those we have athletes in the room, those of you right now, God is going to use you. We had a, a, a man of God, Lance Wallnow, here talking about the seven mountains. This is where you sit, and you are in Ahu. You expose spirit and soul with the sword of the spirit. Do it, Holy Ghost. Oh, God has your hand. God has your hand. You've had to take some hits because you've made some hits. You've had to take some hits because you've made some hits. But God says, I have your hand. I have your hand. Wield the sword. Wield the sword. Thank you for listening in to the Fresh Start Church podcast, where we exist to influence a nation with revival. You can order Pastor Kim's book, Doorkeepers of Revival, at doorkeepersofrevival.com. And you can listen to Fresh Start Revival Worship on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you stream your music. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.